Greetings and welcome to Critcast episode, I believe, 23? 24! Critcast episode 24, going over the critical ops, tack ops. But this time, I'm not joined by Charles or an American person. I'm joined by another John. So hello, John. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm actually John without a H, so I'm actually uh, the better kind of John, which That's is all worse, good. Worse kind yeah. of John. Your, your John well, is technically shot for Jonathan. Uh, yeah, which has here. a H, just to confuse things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's bizarre. But if you may not know, Scrivo is part of the Honest Wargamer. Uh, he, he, you, you rein in Rob. I would like to say. Um, uh, I, I do the dog's body work a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you've designed all my logos and stuff, which uh, I regularly shout. Out. Like, if you, you can even see a signature on my kill team back, backdrop if you look closely enough. So, I hate looking at that now. <laughs> what with the kill team one? It, it's that weird thing when you're an artist. You then, if you spend enough time watching your videos, I literally look at it going, "I'd have done that differently now." Oh, that, oh I know oh. what you mean. And it just drives me mad. I'm just like, "Cool, I'm just gonna just hide John's face. I don't want to see it." Yeah, and, you, you and know, people background. got people actually got <laughs> confused why I keep posting that background. I was like, "Well, it's my kill team background." Now people now know it's me because it's got like the nice orange black theme of kill yeah. team. That and was, it was the plan. Fun. Yeah, yeah. It's like people are like, "Why are you doing that?" It's like, What's, no other content creators. Um, it's branding, uh, but you do more than just art, right? Well, I mean, you do comics, and yeah. but you actually play a lot of Warhammer because you're the team captain for Wales now, isn't it? I'm I'm a coach, so I'm a non-playing okay. coach at the moment. So that's uh, that's interesting because it means things like Home Nations, which is in a couple of weeks' time. I'm stepping in being a player, but generally it's kind of nice because I'm representing my country, doing that thing for 40k, which is exciting. After I said. Jokingly, at the beginning of this year, I was like, this is my year to focus on Age of Sigmar. I'm going to play loads of Age of Sigmar. I'm an Age of Sigmar main. So far, I've been to a couple of 40k events and a couple of kill team events. So, yeah, that's worked out really well for me. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of Age of Sigmar players are exactly the same, so don't worry. Um, but it's, it's interesting because I'm half Welsh as well. But you're full Welsh, aren't you? Or... Three quarters. The other quarter is Belgian. And funnily enough, that's where the WTC is this year. So... I, I can scout out and see my opportunity for another team. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, no, this is an interesting thing, because I was like, I've always been talking about doing like WTC, but for kill team, but it's actually been, it, it's it's really tough to organize team events. Like, because I was speaking to the Age of Sigma guys about it and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, you need a committee. And I was like, yeah, that's never happening. Yeah. You need actually four or five people all th- talking in the same way about a game. And I think that, for kill team at the moment, I don't necessarily think there's the the interest necessarily for that. So the people all have their have their own opinions, though, right? So it's yeah, all very so different. Th- yeah, I'm very much of like there needs to be pure balance, and everyone's like, no, no one needs to be that balanced, John. And I was like, we must be perfectly balanced. Um, so because <laughs> I can't so I was, comment because <laughs> I'm well, taking Dark Angels this weekend to a 40k event. <laughs> oh, are they broken again now? Oh, they? yes. Oh, oh yes. For sake. <laughs> You've fallen so far. Uh, oh. Well, it's because, like, what was it? The funny thing uh, when I was a playtester, the other playtesters were like really upset when I was nerfing stuff they liked. And then we moved on to the stuff I liked, and I was like, Okay, this is doing too well here, 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 and we need to like move this, need to change that and that. And they were like, Oh my gosh, what what are you doing? And I was like, Well, this is overperforming and it needs to be toned down. But they're like, But you like this? And I was like, Yeah, that's what For the great or good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but like how how did your Warhammer journey start? Because like Ooh, Yeah. That it's it's quite a 
it's the traditional story of kind of like as a kid getting into it but with a slight spin that my dad was a historical wargamer that got into 40k in second edition so oh. i kind of had a wargamer to kind of encourage me teach me and all that sort of jazz and then i did the whole thing of like getting to 15 16 going right what am i going to do now do i play games or do i go to the pub and then the calling of the pub kind of took me away for a few years and then naturally came back when i uh found that hangovers were getting too bad <laughs> and, and then that feeling and now i'm just kind of like cool what am i doing on a friday night oh i'm going to the club with my dad and we're going to play some games and roll some dice and that's basically what i do now it's like if i'm not at work selling warhammer i'm playing Warhammer. <laughs> so there's nothing in between at the moment so no, that's neat. No, it's just funny when he, after you said the pub, I was like, "Oh, you go clubbing with your dad," and I'm like, "Oh no, oh yeah, the, the War Games yeah. Club." <laughs> <laughs> you know, after a night down at Lake Liquids, yeah. then we just go the next morning. Yeah, after we're, we're literally there drinking strong cups of tea, rolling d sixes at each other. It's hardcore. Oh. <laughs> this, this is another tangent, but it's like I used to love early starts when Warhammer World used to start at like eight a.m. Now I kind of enjoy they start at ten because I'm like, oh, I'm getting old. So yeah. it's like as a TO, I do 10 a.m. starts for events. Yeah, I'd rather start later and finish later. It's just, it's <sighs> and I know I get way. that. It's just, <laughs> just like oh, I used to be more like the early, uh, but anyway. So the <laughs> the topic of this kill team episode is going over the crit op tack ops. So we are going to analyze them all, and you know, I because I've done this as a review, but this is yeah. like the step up for because I did a proper like rating out of system. So I won't do the rating now. I'll do the rating for my video on article because that's easier. But easier, but we'll just talk it through because it's like um, I didn't want to do it in December or January. Because, but now I've had like three months with the cards and like John has played with them as well. I think it's better yeah. to go through them now considering we're in a more stable place where we know the game is. So, yeah. but that's basically what's going to happen. And yeah, as I said, John uh, does play. Uh, so it's it's like you know, Charles yeah. is indisposed. It's also with his microphone, kind of. It's a microphone. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Well, it died, right? And I was like, oh, "What gosh. happened to your voice? Is he, are you on dial-up?" And he's like, "Oh no, my proper mic died, so I'm using my headphone mic." And I was like, "Wow, it's like we're back in the '90s." Anyway, oh. so um, let's start off with uh, security. All right, so security. This actually used to be the best archetype before, uh, before the yep. update, and now it's kind of changed a bit. Like, if I was gonna, like, instead of going for all of that, security is more like the defensive archetype. If that makes sense, it's more about like holding ground, keeping your opponent back. So before it was really good because all of its stuff was super easy, but you know, not so much. So the first one we have is seize ground. So this is unchanged. So what? Uh, like when I talk about tack ops, there's key key things you need to remember. Like the key thing is for this one, it's one of the tack ops you can only reveal during the first turning point. So technically, if you don't reveal it after the first turning point, can't score it. But uh, it means you have to reveal it. So generally, people allow if you forget, but try not to forget. Uh, mm. And it's just you select one terrain feature that is more than blue from your drop zone, includes any parts with heavy. Uh, and then at the end of the battle, if you control it, you score one victory point. And if you achieve the first condition with four APL and no enemies are within black of it, you get a second victory point. And then it clarifies how you control it. So uh, did you play much with Seize Ground, John? 
it's weird. I don't actually have any kill teams in my kind of selection that use security. So it's, it's one I'm often playing against rather than with. Uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting, right? <laughs> well, yeah. So like the interesting thing about Seize Ground, it's an end game tack up. So the yeah. problem is if you're trying to score early, it's a very misleading tack up because as it's an end game one, you're always trying to track it, but you're trying to hope your opponent forgets. Yeah. And it's important because that whole game it's spent open and known about basically. So yes. for the from turning point one, you've got three turning points where your opponent is seeing what you're doing and then can respond. Yes. So the issue is, I think the biggest problem with uh, Seize Ground is it's the same as before. You have to pick a terrain piece at the start of the game and plan your game around it. So I know yeah. a lot of people pick the middle because then they'll like it synergizes with the other security tackles. But then the problem is, if it's in the middle, it's usually quite easy for your opponent to defend. If you pick something too close to you, then the issue is if the mission is about moving up and you've got you need to move up and score, you're now like dedicating at least two operatives to hang back to max it. Yeah. And then the other issue is if you pick it somewhere more forward, um, at, like because if you fail to hold them back, then like seize ground you can't stall. But then you could place seize ground closer to where you want to go. But then the issue is it's more easy for your opponent to defend. So yeah. I actually am going to change my mind and start rating these tech ops. So I, I rate them out of five. <laughs> Um, so I, I am not like these idiots. I'm not idiots. Uh, oh. attack I, well, it's because I'm on my podcast, right? So I can be more real instead of my more... Um, be more real. <laughs> uh, less real. Uh, I'm still quite real on my my video, but I edit it more out because my I, I go internal like, oh, John, just, just you know this is going to cause drama. Just edit that out. But basically, <laughs> uh, I go one to five and I don't yep. go, this is 1.3. Uh, no, yep. it's whole numbers, right? So this I would rate Seize Ground as three out of five. Like that's a it's in my solid, opinion, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you've got hold them back. Well, because the other thing is seize ground. Like the difficult thing is if you if your opponent remembers, all they need is one guy to just contest. Like, let's say I only have two operatives left, and like you've maxed everything, and it's like I go like, okay, I know you can't kill my guy. I'm just gonna suicide my guy in onto the i've already maxed my primary i'm just gonna send him into seize ground i know you can't kill him because you don't have the operatives now you only get one point so that's like the, the downside to it it's not a, yeah. an amazing tack up but it's just okay yeah uh, so there's a lot of counterplay which is what i like then you've got hold them back so this used to be hold the line so this is now uh you reveal in any turning point after the first so this is something uh, this is one of the tack ups you can't reveal turning point one yeah and then at the end of any turning point if there are no any more enemy operatives wholly within your territory score a victory point and so if you do you're it, half the board it. correct rather yes. than being deployment zone or yeah it used to be within red of your drop zone which was actually yeah. on a lot of maps really easy to do so once again like this is weird you've pro you probably love this change i love this change because now it's yeah. way easier to shut this tack up down because before it was way too good like yeah. it feels fair though it feels like if you're gonna do it to do it defining it on a half a board because then there's no kind of ambiguity based on whether it's uh, long board edges or short board edges, it's always the same. Yeah, and I think that was the issue before because, like, like I think the worst time against playing hold them back was on diagonal deployments, like quesadilla deployments or hamburger deployment, yeah. because quesadilla. you were like, it's it's my thing. The Spanish love it. So it's like, uh, so the issue the issue you have is it was it was way too much to contest. But I think the only issue with this tack up now. While it's really easy to stop, I think it's now so easy to stop, you should be able to reveal at turning point one because the issue is 
even turning point one, you can contest this. So yeah, I think I think it would be fine. The only fix I would go to hold them back instead of changing it to be within red of the drop zone is to make it just like uh, you can reveal at turning point one because that's fine. Because I'm like it at least because the problem is from turning point three and four, you're never going to score this. So at least giving them one point for this is yeah. fine. Unless so they've the rolled moment, you, but I guess security kill teams might not necessarily be a, a, a kind of a kill team that will just wipe someone out. So it's not necessarily some can, even that. Some can. Yeah. That's the weird thing about security. Some some stuff have security when they shouldn't. But I would yeah. probably give Hold Them Back <laughs> actually a one out of five. Not because it's like thematically horrible. It's just because if it, if you could reveal it turning point one, then you could actually get a point. The way it stands now, unless you somehow wipe your opponent turning point two, you are never maxing this. So on that basis, you won't even get one point for this. So I, I would give it one out of five. Um, like it's way more balanced than uh, hold the line used to be, but mm. it's now too unfair. If that makes sense, um, I don't know if you feel the same about that. Yeah, well, the the challenge is for hold them back is you look at the selection of security, and there is always better choices to be taken. Yeah, now there is. So yeah. you look at it and go, "Cool, I I don't need to do this one. There is other things I can probably do that play more into what I'm wanting to achieve anyway." Yeah, because I, I think if you just change hold them back to reveal any turning point, it's fine then. Like that's the only thing it needs changing. But b- based on like how scorable how scorable this card is, it it's not. So like mm. if you were thinking about security, never take hold them back. Just it's too hard to stop effectively. Because unless you somehow are playing against an elite team, but then elite guys will just YOLO into your drop zone. So yeah. next next we have secure center line. So this is a new tack up. Reveal this target. Uh, after the first turning point. So you can't reveal this turning point one as well. At the end of the turning point, if the total APL of friendly operators on the center line and not on a vantage point is greater than the enemy, you score one. And if you achieve this, like uh, you score again. And I will also do it with central control because central control is unchanged. But the only thing that changed with central control, you can't reveal at turning point one. And then at the end of the turning point, the total APL of friendly operatives within the center of the kill zone and not on a vantage point. That was a change because before you could be. Yeah. Uh, if you achieve this first condition, you, you score another victory point. So these basically are taken in tandem. So yeah. my only annoyance is secure center line and central control are scorable they're together. They're very similar. Yes. So the issue is they're almost the same tackle because yeah. central control, you could have three guys in the middle on the center line and score yeah. both secure center line and central control. Um, if, and they could be standing next to a piece of terrain that you've tagged and then you've got your seized ground at the same time. Yes. So they're like uh, a common combo, central central control, secure center line, and seize ground. Secure center line is actually really interesting. It's much harder on Into the Dark and even on some open boards because a lot of terrain is now off the midline because people like to make shooting death zones for some reason. Um, but so secure, secure center line can be actually tough. But when you just go like, oh, I can do it with central control, they they come quite weird. So like, I would rate both as a three out of five on their own. But taken together, they're like a four out of five, which if if that makes sense. Because yeah. I, I'd, I'd probably go secure, a central control on its own is usually like a four out of five. Because especially if there's a central terrain piece you can hug, um, and now no missions have central objectives, it's really hard for your opponent to like go off the points to stop them. So, yeah. uh, and then center, secure center line on its own is like a three. But if you take it with central control, then it becomes a four out of five. Because um, the issue is, 
when I'm playing against a security person and they go that, I have to go like, oh gosh, do I give them secure center line or central control? And I, I usually go, I'll give them center line because if I can test central control, next turning point, I'll just kill all the guys in the open standing yeah. on the midline. So, um, but that's how I like that kind of balance. Like it, if they were going to do tweaks, that was the only change I would do. But what do you think? Well, it's nice that there's you can score, but there is a cost to it. Yes. So there's nothing worse than having a um, a tack op where you just do it. Like passive tack ops feel really uninteractive and kind of like if you can't stop it, there's no kind of counterplay, which always feels kind of a little bit like um, reward, uh, kind of not rewarding. And I, kind of when I'm playing with my orcs, I do that with the uh, the grok going and sneaking around, and it's it's great that I can score those points currently in the 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 normal cards but it's also really uninteractive so I, I can see why it's nice to make it so that there is some sort of playback yeah i mean i think the best change is that these these can't be scored turning point one like they are like central control would be so like before vet guard would just yolo into the middle which turning point one and you go like well that's a point i can't contest uh but that that's like it, every archetype needs its gem and those two are its gem yeah then we've got protect assets which is unchanged real this tack up in any re- uh, turning point at the end of the turning point, if two or more enemy operators were incapacitated while within white of an objective marker, you score a victory point, and if you do it again, you get a second. So this is, once again, unchanged and really balanced, because the thing you have yeah. to remember... Um, so the neat thing about this, if someone kills themselves by their ability, like the guy skull from the breaches blowing themselves up yeah. on an objective point, that counts towards this. Because they're incapacitated, not slain. Yeah. But the only issue with protect mm. assets, it's really in the hands of a good opponent they will make sure you don't score protect assets because like on a lot of objectives for the game, you actually don't have to stay on the point. So the issue is turning point one, you're not going to score this turning point two, you should. And then turning point three and four, you may only get one kill. And even turning point two, you could only get one kill in terms of your, you get one, you activate first, you kill one guy and then your opponent moves someone off the objective. And now you can't score protect assets. Yeah. So I still like how this is well balanced. It's much better into horde teams, so teams with twelve or more operatives, because they generally need to swarm the points. Mm. Um, but it's like, I mean, how do you feel playing into when your opponent reveals protect assets? To me, I, I just look at it and go, that means you're going to try to stay away from objectives as much as possible if you can, and that that's kind of counterintuitive so to me it's like it feels like potentially a bad pick for them because they're kind of going i want to score primary but i also want to do this and it's like scoring the primary is better than scoring that for points so why would you take it (laughs) yeah well it's like um the issue is there is arguments to say like oh if your opponent is focusing running off the points then that like leaves them allows you to score the primary and that's fair but the issue is it was better in the last edition when primaries were harder to score, but yes. primaries are so easy to score oh, now. Oh, exactly. That's that's what's influencing my kind of opinion on it. It's like, I'd rather score my, my primary and max that out knowing that that's something I should be doing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like the issue is like, even with protect assets, like you can just charge off a point, charge someone on a point, not be in on the point, yeah. and then basically stop them. And like, that's the issue. If, if primaries, like before I would rated secure um protect assets is three out of five if if primary was hard to score it'd be three out of five still at the moment i'd give it like two out of five i think that's mm. like a fair rating that's fair and then we've got the newest one escort operative so this replaces plant banner 
So you can reel this tech up in the reel of the first or second turning point. You select one friendly operative at the end of the battle. If that operative is wholly within your opponent's territory, you score a victory point. And if they're within red of your opponent's kill zone edge, not their drop zone, you score another victory point. So the issue is it's basically like plant banner, but the problem with plant banner is you had to nominate someone at the start of the game and people would either forget to do that or they wouldn't note it down because yeah. when you killed someone, you would drop it and then they could pick up, but people would go, oh yeah, this this guy had it, you killed there. And you'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, or they would forget and they'd go, oh, damn it. Um, but at the moment, I actually yeah. think Escort Operative is actually really good because even though you don't have to reel at turning point one now, you can reel at turning point two. And the issue is a lot of security teams are quite tanky. So you could select someone really tanky who was going to go to your opponent's drop zone anyway. The only yep. issue is to get max points, you have to be within your kill zone edge. So this is a tack up that's really easy to score one point from, but hard to max. And the issue is this time, if that operative dies, you can't have someone else pick up that ban or whatever. Yeah. Um, have you played into it or? I haven't, but um, to me, I like that as a design mechanic. So being able to score one part of it relatively straightforwardly, great. But the second part should always be tougher. It shouldn't be just like, I score two points doing this this tack up. I like oh, I the fact agree. that it's like, you get your one, because then that one point that may or may not happen becomes great variability to then influence the end result of the game, which is it's what we want, right? You don't want it to just be like, right, I've got all my tack ups. There you go. Yeah. It's done. So it's, just I'm just exactly the same. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I, I prefer tack ups that have two different scoring conditions. So there's, you've done it again. Yay. <laughs> So this is, I, I think this is a well-designed and fun tack up. And the other good thing is it allows you to be aggressive with security, which is one of security's main weaknesses. It encourages a different play style to the first few where those ones were kind of like, right, I'm going to sit in the middle. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to be on some terrain. I'm just going to just get here and I'm just going to be here. This is kind of giving you access to being right up in their grill, not having to stand in the middle. It's nice that it then encourages different play styles. And kind of yeah. the blend of the, the the kind of the five would be actually that uh, six would be quite interesting to see how they kind of different combinations with different teams could give completely different game styles just by what they've picked there. All it being here's the three that everyone takes in security. It'll be refreshing, right? Like in theory. Yeah, and what I've liked is like some uh, aggressive security players have now switched up, so they use like a faction tack up central control as their staging. Yeah, um, the staging because you're going to go there. Yeah, yeah, and then they'll. At end of the game, aimed square score operative. So I, I still think it's a three out of five. It just has potential, but the issue is it's yeah. like it's not good enough to be four out of five consistently. <clears throat> but it opens up enough playstyles. But it's a good tack up. Yeah. And then we've got the into the dark one. So this is secure access point, which replaces seize ground because everything's heavy and into the dark. So this yep. is a bit effectively you reveal in the first turning point and you select an access point on the center line or within your opponent's territory. And then if you if you control it like seize ground, you get the victory points. Yeah, straightforward this is enough. Fine, like it's it's exactly the same as seize ground. It's easier on maps where the door is literally on the on the midline. Yeah, um, but <laughs> it, it it's fine. I think it's three out of five again. Like it's basically just seize ground, but seize door. I, I mean, I've played into it. It's like the only thing is I wouldn't select this on a map with no door near the midline because of how long it takes to get through with Into the Dark. But yeah. it kind of works like <laughs> S cooperative. So if you're in Into the Dark, you could actually go central control, 
escort operative and seize access point and have your operative help you score seize access point. So Exactly. It, Those yeah, synergies are lovely. <laughs> yeah. It's basically just three out of five. Not much there. Uh for Seek and Destroy, which so Seek and Destroy was weird. It used to be like okay to good, and now it's yeah. arguably the best archetype. Arguably. So <laughs> first, the first one is route. Route is unchanged. So like where security's like being defensive, seek and destroy is all about being offensive and getting to your opponent's face. Yeah. So route is reveal this in any turning point. If an enemy operative is incapacitated by a friendly operative and that friendly operative is within red of your drop opponent's drop zone, you score a victory point, and then if you do it again, you get another. This is really good. Like they clarified the wording because people used to think they had to kill an operative within red of the the their drop zone. And I was like, no. You actually have to kill me. So they've tidied up the wording, which is good. Uh, I would actually give Route 4 out of 5. Yeah. I mean, you must have used Route a lot, right? Oh, yeah. With my Orcs, I used to just... It was it was a kind of... I was going to be trying to kill people. If I'm trying to be up in their face, if I've pre-game kind of de- forward deployed someone and they're getting a charge off, that's getting me that one point, right? Well, yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's actually... As everyone... Not really deploys closer, but drop zones are slightly closer. But it's even good on Into the Dark because now it works through walls. It's actually really easy to score. Like for me, it's just flat. It's, it's what you want to do. It's not like the only downside is if your opponent rushes forward. But then if they're rushing forward and you're an aggressive kill team, they're likely going to just rush and die. So it's like either way, it's a win-win even if you don't match yeah. it. Because if, they, if your opponent tries to play around it, it sucks for them. And even if it's really hard to play around because if you just get someone within red and then shoot someone, so like you could move within red, shoot someone on the other side of the board, kill them and score out. Because all the only requirement is if you kill someone and your operative is within red of their drop zone. So yeah. that's that's the weird thing. But it's basic and amazing. Next, we have Eliminate Guards, which is probably the best tack up in the game or tied for it. <laughs> so reveal this target attack up in any turning point. Once you do so, at the end of the target reveal step, so not when you reveal the attack up, select an objective marker on the center line or within your opponent's territory. Then select one enemy operative within white of it to be on guard for the turning point, to be the guard. If you kill them, you get a victory point, and then if you do it, again, you get another. So this is very powerful because you, you're generally your opponent's op is just going to be on their objectives or on the midline. And the issue is, even if they move off an objective, you've killed and you kill them. So, like the issue is, let's say I lose priority, but I nominate their kill, their key, like suicide grenadier. Their choice is now kill someone and lose a victory point, or fall back and deny me a victory point. But even if they fall back and deny, now I don't have to care about the operative. Yeah. So, either way, you're winning. Like it's. It's so powerful, especially when you win initiative. It's crazy. Like, it's absolutely mad. If you get initiative, you just go, right, gone. Yeah, you just go like, yeah. well, I was going to alpha the operative anyway, so what I'm going to do is I've won initiative. Oh, look, uh, I've killed you. I've now, like, contested that point and got a victory point. Yeah. So it's 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 technically, the downside to this is technically losing initiative and your opponent running away or like losing initiative and then like somehow being untargetable. But there's so much good to this tack up. Like I would definitely give it a five out of five. I don't know if you feel about that the same way. 
Well, it's, it's one that I've, because I haven't actually played with the Seek and Destroy cards yet. It's one I looked at and went, I need to see how I can make this work. Because with my orcs, I tend to find that I'm always trying to kill stuff anyway. And it's just, if that's just giving me points for doing what I'm doing anyway, why not? Like, and if it's forcing my opponent to then have to make negative decisions that impact how they score their attack ops, like if, or primary even, it's great. Like Anything that can make it a win-more situation, I'm, I'm all in for. So. Oh yeah, because I've had opponents go like, oh, I'll pick Voga Fryscurst from the Galapox, and they go, okay, I'll just move him away outside the line of sight. And I was like, great, I don't have to worry about him for a turn. Or they're yeah. like, oh, here's my Tau Grenadier. And I was like, cool, are you going to alpha strike into me and give me a victory point? Because I'm already ahead on points. And they're like, yeah. um, uh, oh, damn it, no. Yeah. Well, they commit, and then it's like, great. So now even your trade is actually a better trade for me. It, exactly. Like, I, I've heard people say like the way to fix this is you you have to kill them while they're on the objective, and I go no because that 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 just accentuates the problem of oh I've lost initiative I can't score this tack up. Like I think the only way to fix this tack up is let your opponent pick because yes. that is it would probably kill this tack up, but it's the only way to balance it. Like there's yeah. no other way. Um, but at the moment, five out of five I would always take. It's slightly worse on into the dark because on into the dark someone could just run around the door and close it. So that's the thing you have to remember about Eliminate God on Into the Dark. But even then, it's very strong. Because once again, if someone has played aggressively with a point man, you can go, oh, that's your point man. You were planning to push forward and open this door. Uh, you do that, you give me a victory point. And all of a sudden, they go, oh, yeah, uh, I can't afford to do that. So I'll just run away. And that's a yeah. win for you. So the next one is Assassinate Target. Reveal this in any... Uh, no, you must reveal this in the first turning point. So it's one of the ones you can only reveal turning point one. Yep. Your opponent selects one of the operatives. If you incapacitate them, you score two victory points. If you injure them, you score one. Um, my only issue with this, anything that gives control to the opponent is too good. Yeah. And this is too good for your opponent because you won't take this tack up if they're a large kill team. And yeah. then the issue is on elite teams, they can actually afford to pop tart, which is basically move out, shoot, dash back and cover and just keep doing that. So like unless you're a rush down player, like I would only take this first elites. Uh, I don't know about you. What, what do you feel? It's like to me, anytime I give it to my opponent that they're going to have it, they can, they could even just put it like, for instance, if I was going against someone and they were like, right, I've got my cat in my kill team for whatever reason, they just hide that in a corner. They're denying you two points. They, they could just literally just shut it down without even interacting, especially if they've got a spare body. They can just go, right, it'll be on that spare body. I'm just not caring about. I'll just hide yeah. in the corner. No, I agree. I would never take this against large kill teams, only yeah. against elite. So for that reason, it's not bad. The good thing is if you injure someone, you'll still get a victory point for it. Yeah. So that's a Which, nice counterplay. Yeah. but I It would, doesn't completely shut it down, but it still feels... Eh. You're not great. I would give this two out of five. So I wouldn't take yeah. this. And, the only time I'd take this is against elites. Um then you have Robin Ransack, which is unchanged. Reveal this when an enemy operative is incapacitated with an engagement range and is more than blue from other enemy operatives. You score a victory Love point, it. and then if you're alive at the end of the game, you score two. This is five out of five now because you can pick yeah. it. It's yeah. like, it's just... Before, when you could randomly draw it, you're like, oh, this isn't so great. But yeah. now you can now you pick it. And the thing is, what I see a lot of people do is reveal this the moment they kill. And I go, no, no, no. Um, but then there's the, the other end where people reveal it too late and realize they were gambling on scoring Robin Ransack and then they've left it too late and now there's no one to kill in melee. Um, and there is counterplay. So what Robin Ransack is like notoriously difficult to score against me because 
generally I figure out people have Robin Ransack and always keep my operatives within blue of each other. So if yeah. an opponent is doing that, it's still not easy to score, but I would give it five out of five. Uh, it's a lot more achievable against your elite kill teams as well. Yeah. It's more challenging, obviously, to kill those higher wound caps, say like legionaries or whatever, yeah. but they're going to be potentially more spread out because they are literally trying to hold points and do things as just a five or six body kill team. So it makes sense to oh, pick yeah, it more in that sort of situation. And the great thing when into the dark, let's say two operatives are three inches apart, but they're in different rooms. You close the door first, they are now <laughs> on their own, and then it's just literally like, close the door, and then he like his friend just hears screams, and then it's just like, oh no. It's like a horror film. Oh, yeah, no. it's like, no, dude. Uh, but it's it's so strong. There is counterplay, but it's just too good because you can pick tack ops now. But it's fine. Like Robin Ransack yeah. is balanced. It's just more because you can pick it now. You have more control. Because the other thing is, if you another thing you could do is reveal it early, like turning point two slash maybe three, and now your opponent starts going. Well, now Punching I have to up. kill that guy. I have yeah. to start. I have to. Go, I have to go after that guy because you've already got one victory point. But I, I need to stop you getting a second because that's going to swing the game. Uh, next, we got Headhunter, which is unchanged. Reveal this when an enemy leader is incapacitated. So this is what I call a secret tack op because um, it's it's kind Love of it. like Rob and Ransack. You just reveal it when the condition is met. You score a victory point, and if it's turning point one or two, you score two. So this is still balanced. It's like if you're playing YOLO aggressive play and you're like a crazy elite team, this works because you don't need to um, you don't need to nominate a specific operative. It's just you kill the enemy leader. But if they hang back like a hordy team, it's going to be more hard. But it also punishes aggressive teams. So I think it's like a three out of five, just in general. Uh, I don't know yeah. about you. I've I've enjoyed the previous kind of iteration of this because it was just nice to be able to go, right, if they have the, the fear that I'm going to have it and they value their leader, they then tend to do more defensive things with their leader, which makes them less effective potentially. Yeah. No, it's, it's like, great. it's nice counterplay. I see why people love it so much. But for me, so people love it because it's easy to get one point. And I get that, but it's hard yeah. to max. And when I play the game, I look at tag ops I want to max. So for me, I give it like three out of five. Like obviously, yeah. if you can get a turning, like I think this is great against pathfinders because like um, a lot of pathfinder players will play safe with their leader turning point one, and then turning point two will just go way, way too aggressive with their leader. So then you can punish <laughs> that. But it, yeah. it's it it's good counterplay. I would generally only use against elites or aggressive teams who like to commit their leader. But and if yeah. you're fast, and then the new the newest one is executioner. Reveal this in the target group point of any turning uh, any turning point. When you do so, select one operative to be your executioner, and then at the end of each target reveal step, like with uh, eliminate guards, you select an operative to be executed for the turning point. If you kill them, you get a victory point, and if you do it again, you get another. So the interesting thing about this this is a tackle where only one operative can score it. So if you nominate your so you. You don't actually have to reveal this turning point one. You could reveal it turning point three. But the mm. issue is, if the nominated guy you've nominated from your team dies, you don't score this anymore. So yeah. it's kind of like all your eggs in one basket kind of situation, but it's really good on like bulky teams like the Galapox, infe Galapox Infected and even the Intercession. Mm. But the interesting thing is, you don't have to kill them in combat. So you can put this on a gunner as well. But generally, gunners are quite fragile. But let's say you've got a gunner who can fire silent, then switch to engage and kill someone properly, like the marksman. Yeah, you can nominate that. Well, I mean, they can't take security. Uh, so you can destroy it. But that, yeah. that's the kind of example. Uh, uh, that sort of archetype would work, role, Yeah, 
Because even with commandos, you could do it with your Daka boy and go, oh, my Daka boy is going to be, uh, no, my sniper boy is going to be my yeah. executioner. Because the great thing is uh, you can even do the scatter shot and stuff, but because he can yeah. fire silent, like yeah. it's it's just great. I Gives think you choices. Yeah, I think it's still quite situational because it has it has depth, but it's very situational. Like another cool thing is, this is very specific, but you can get the Drukari Hand of the Archons, Skysplinter Assassin. And use him to execute the glitchlings who have free wounds, because he can use his bird to kill them. And then effectively, you can farm two victory points for killing free wound, uh, free wound um, glitchlings just for this, which is hilarious. It's like, here's my executioner. Who did he kill? I killed like a, I killed like a space marine. I killed an orc knob. What did you kill? I killed two glitchlings. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a murderous executioner. Yeah, well. uh, but. <laughs> if I was ever tempted to give a 0.5, I would probably give it here, but it's not good enough to be a four. It's yeah. situationally a four, but generally it's a three out of five, I would say. Uh, and now we've got Recon. So Recon is the Tacop archetype, which is more about like board control in a way, if that makes sense. It's more about yeah. moving up and controlling sectors of the board where security is mainly about controlling the mid and hanging back. So it's kind of how I would say Seek and Destroy used to counter security. Uh, now Seek and Destroy kind of counts everyone. And Recon is a good counter into security. So the first one is a new tack op, surge, surge Forward. Reveal this in any turning point. At the end of any turning point, if the total APL of operatives within red of your opponent's drop zone is four more, you score a victory point. And then if you do it again, you get another. This is crazy good because if you're just an aggressive rushdown kill team, your opponent is really hard to stop this especially if you're doing stuff like charge blocking, because you can just go, I'll charge, pass, I'll charge, pass. I've got four APL. Uh, unless you charge into combat, like you can't kill these. I think it's yeah. I, I think it's really good onto the point where I would probably go, most recon teams are really fast. So I actually, or they have like movement tricks. So I actually think this is based on the kill teams that can use it. I think it's a four out of five. Yeah. Because it's it's just reliable. You don't actually have to kill. You just have to get within red of their drop zone. The only time this is hard is technically hamburger deployment. Quesadilla isn't too bad because if you, like from corner to corner, there's only like a 15 inch gap. So you can actually move and dash and get there turning yeah. point one. You can reveal this turning point one. It's actually really hard for your opponent to stop because uh, they can't actually contest it without killing you. So I think it's a four out of five. Yeah. Um, then we've got outflank, which has changed because it used to be, oh, it was like triangulate. There we go. Yeah. So you read this target point, uh, ta attack up in any target reveal step. At the end of the turning point, if you control both neutral kill zone edges, so it's as described on the map of your board, you get a victory point, And if you do it again, you get another. You control a neutral kill zone edge if the total APL of friendly operatives within blue of it is greater than that of enemy operatives and operatives within red of their own drop zone cannot contribute to the APL. So this is friend and foe. Yeah. So triangulate used to be an easy one because you would go, I'll do the left and right flanks. I've got a victory point. Yep. I probably won't get the last one because I have to be on your kill zone edge like within blue. <clears throat> this one is weird. Like, because not only do you need to control both flanks, you actually kind of are in the open for it. Because blue yeah. actually, it's big, but not big enough. So the issue is it's harder to score one point 
but easier to max. Although yeah. in practice, I haven't seen anyone score enough points for this. If that makes sense. Like I think there's there's definitely better choices if you're yeah. having to pick from these. So it's one that I kind of just go, eh. I, like, I, I can see people trying to do it and then going, this doesn't quite work. And then the next time, not even considering it. Yeah, so that's just basically every time I've ran into someone using it, they go like, oh, you, you're contesting it as well. And Oops. then they don't score any points from it. And then they go, yeah. uh, or they just they just abandon it after turning point two. Like if I yeah. stop them scoring at turning point two, because uh, it's really hard to score turning point one without dying. And yeah. then if they can't score at one point from turning point two, they just abandon it, like generally. And then they don't use it again. So for that reason, I'd give it like two out of five. Because the issue is, You've not. You may notice a trend in the tac ops, but they've removed tac ops that generally require mission actions or two AP two AP mission actions, which is good. It is, I think. But I think outflank could have stayed as triangulate and would have been fine. This is a weird mm. change, but um, I think it was on the general. It feels like a general thing to stop recon gain easy one point tac ops. Uh, so next we have secure vantage, which replaces vantage. So uh, you can reel this in any turning point after the first. So this is one you can't reel turning point one. At the end of the turning point, if you control a vantage point that is more than blue from your drop zone, you score a victory point. And if you do it again, you get another. For any operatives, control a vantage point if the total APL on it is more than the opponent. So this has changed because before you could reel at turning point one. Yeah. And the other changing factor is it has to be a vantage point terrain piece that isn't within blue of your drop zone. Whereas before, if it was, as long as it didn't touch your drop zone, it was fine. Yeah. So... When I balance maps now because of the stupid match play changes because of crit ops, I don't put vantage points now within blue of the drop zone because then you can't dash onto them and also it's harder to put barricades onto them. Yeah, so you just need that, to. Rem- that's exactly what I was thinking you were going to say then. <laughs> yeah. Putting a barricade up there, you're just like, cool. This, if I get someone up there, they're safe as houses. <laughs> oh, yeah. And people go like, you know, John, you said contentious things about the scouting change, uh, the scouting uh, scouting phase changes. Has your has your like opinion changed in three months since then? Because you were quite strong about them. No, they're still dumb. They're stupid, really stupid. And the people who force them through, why do you not play the game? And why not anyway, two barricades? Why not two barricades, John? Yeah, let's, let's two all the barricades on the vantage yeah. point. What's wrong with that? Let's all... Sniper boy needs to be completely contained by barricades. Then I'd Why be can't everyone just dash fly? Anyway, so secure, <laughs> secure vantage. So this is really weird. I love, hate the change to vantage because it used to be two action points to do this. Mm. So the issue is horde recon teams couldn't score this and it was more elite recon teams. Now, this is really easy as a horde recon team because the the thing is you don't have to declare which vantage point it is. So you could send three operatives onto three different vantage points. You can move up and shoot and then just go like, if I'm still alive at the end of the turning point, I've got a victory right. point. Exactly. So it's now, I, I used to say it was three out of five. I actually think it's four out of five, but I wouldn't take this if you're an elite kill team. That's, that's my stipulation, mm. I think. Because... If you're an elite kill team, you actually can't score Vantage. And you could argue this should bring down the score of Vantage, but I think Vantage is so powerful for a Horde team. It outweighs the downsides of an um, like a, an elite team. And the only elite team that really can take secure Vantage is the Phobos, and I wouldn't. So I, I think yeah. 4 out of 5 is fair. I well, what, what do you think? I think that's fair. I think it's quite reasonable, because it feels like one that certain kill teams will just... They'll just want to do it. Some, like you just said, just really won't. And so there's always better options for them. So, And that's what's nice about having 
the fact that you're picking them as well. You're not going to go right. I've got, I've had to shuffle this one in, and now I've got it, and I'm fucked with it. <laughs> yeah, because so there's the nothing on- worse than that. <laughs> yeah, the only downside is like board design, but generally. Like, for example, you can have a, a shield drone or marker drone moving around silently flying and marker lighting stuff, and they yep. will max you advantage. Like, yep. your opponent has to go out of their way to stop you scoring advantage, which makes it much better. Yep. Obviously, uh, shout out to Corsairs, who hate the change to advantage because they used to spend a CP to score up for one. Now they can't do that. So <laughs> uh, Next, we've got Courier. So reveal this tack up. It's a new one uh, in any turning point. When you do so, select one friendly operative. At the end of the turning point, if that operative is within blue of your opponent's drop zone, you score a victory point. And if you do, can you get another? So this is actually another good one. And the cool thing about this, for some reason, instead of selecting an operative at the start of the game or turning point two, you just get different guys who are all being couriers. Um, and once again, if you're doing surge forward, this combos really well with them. So I actually think this is a four out of five because this even works on elites. I do like when they put it as a selection when it's revealed because then you you get to be a bit more dynamic with it because if someone's really unlucky and they've picked someone as a target as a thing that they're going to do later on in the game and that happens to die turn turning point one that's completely cripples them and it's nice that then there is still that play it keeps you in the game for longer which i think is just a bit more enjoyable as a play experience True. I think the only thing I do to balance this is like you reveal your courier turning point one or two and then you only have one courier because it's yeah. like, am I team UPS? What is going on? Uh, it's like, <laughs> uh, am I delivering you death? Hit- no, the, the, it's a very, we're just going to throw parcels at you and it's going to do yeah. more wounds. Oh, look at the fence. Smash through your window. Oh yeah, extra points. Um, here's here's a photo of it. <laughs> exactly, just like your bloodied corpse. We're like, you, we missed you while you were out, and it was just like, anyway, missed you in this hole. <laughs> yeah. So um, actually, it's your neighbour because they 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 couldn't find your place. But anyway, uh, I would give Courier four out of five. Yeah. Uh, then we've got recover item. So this replaces um, secure item uh, from yeah. the previous one. So reveal this in the first turning point. Place one of your item tokens within your opponent's territory. The pickup action can be formed by friendly operatives, but enemy operatives. If you control it, you get victory point. And if you control another turning point, you get another. So this is where I'm actually going to go above and beyond my scoring. This is a six out of five objective. Uh, Didn't it off. used to be the the equivalent of this used to be your opponent picked where the, the token was put? Yeah, so before, the main problem was your opponent can pick where it goes. It has <laughs> to be... horrible places. <laughs> well, so the thing is, it has to be more than blue from your opponent's drop zone. Yeah. But let's say, I don't know, someone like me, who recorded several battle reports and tournament reports where my opponent let me place this, oh, and God. I placed it in positions where they could physically not reach but was legal to place. Because remember, yeah. it, the token doesn't have to fit. The center point of the token does. Yeah. So you can put it in places where, like, un- unless a TO is c- a completely clairvoyant, um, someone like me can just make it unscorable. Yeah. So to balance that out, they've clearly let you place it. But the problem is yeah. you can place it basically on the midline because the midline... Even if it's like half, like 0.1 of an inch, it's still in your opponent's territory, but it's it's treated like an objective. So it's got uh, a radius of white to control, but you only have to be within black to pick it up. And then teams with like dogs can just pick this up for free. And then it becomes more broken with ar- ar- archetypes that can select um, uh, multiple multiple things. So like the, the main issue is it, it's so strong because you can just like uh, 
like crew no Farstalker Kinband and oh what do you call them? Farstalker Kinband and the uh and yeah, so like when you combine it with other kill teams, the issue is it becomes broken because it's almost an auto score and like on yeah. its own it's good and then when you can combine it with other archetypes it's busted like the only way i would fix recover item is you have to place it more than blue from the center line and it's fixed right um like the the worst suggestions i've heard of people like oh no i like i can score at turning point one i was like you're horrible just stop playing the game like this is not balanced like as someone who yeah. uses recover item the only way to fix it is because if you give it to the opponent, opponent's going to screw you over every time. But mm. at least if you can't place it within blue of the center line, you can't score this turning point one. Which you, I think is reasonable. Yeah. The, the only problem is you can score this turning point one. When you can't, it's fine. But it's effectively six out of five objective. Yeah, because a crew hound just goes, yo, that's mine, cool. Yep, and so can the Elucidian <sighs> Star Striders, and both can mix it with different archetypes. So you can just easily max tack ops. Uh, so next we have a uh, plant transpon transponder which replaces plant signal beacon. Rip, my favorite tag op. Uh, you can reveal <laughs> this target point any turning point after the first. If a friendly operative performs a plant transponder mission action, you score a victory point. And if you do it again, you get another. <clears throat> so plant transponder, you can perform this while wholly within your opponent's territory more than white from terrain features, including barricades for some reason, because people just don't want this to be scored. If it does so... Place one of your transponder tokens underneath as close as possible to the center of its base. And an operative can't perform this while in engagement range or within red of your other transponder tokens. So the issue is not only do you have to do this twice, you have to make sure you're more than white from barricades and terrain. So you're doing this in the open. In the open, yeah. And then you have to do it twice. And you have to do them spread out. So the only thing this time is actually usable is on Into the Dark. But... It's like, obviously, Plant Signal Beacon was too good because it's if you place it within red of your opponent's drop zone, 2 AP, <clears throat> they can blow up if they have more APL within at the end of a move action. It's 2 VP. So it's basically Plant Signal Beacon for game. They have gone the complete opposite. Like, if the barricade thing was removed, it'd be fine because then yeah, you could play a aggressive barricade a play. Bit, yeah. yeah. This is just, oh, I want to die on open board, so I'll do this. But because it actually works a little bit into the dark, I think two out of five is fair. I think one out of five is too harsh, but they've tried mm. to make it a one out of five tack up for some reason. It's like literally they were like, yeah, I've had enough of this can guy placing plant signal beacon for game, every game. Let's just kill this tack up. Like, it feels like they've over, they've kind of looked at it and gone, how can we kind of put some caveats into this instead of putting a little bit of a caveat into a couple of other kill, like, uh, Tack ops have just gone. We're putting it all into this one. Yeah, it's like it, it's 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 like carrying the burden for the entire recon archetype. Yeah, They're like we're just going to give you one horrible tack up, and that's why it's plant transponder is bad. Uh, unfortunately, like the only way to fix is if uh, you just had to do it once. I would say, or the barricade thing was changed because then you could use opponents' barricades. Um, next you have secure unexplored rooms, which replaces vantage for into the dark. Reveal this yep. in any turning point after the first. If you if the APL of operatives is higher than enemy operatives in an unexplored room, you get a victory point. If you do again, you get another. And an unexplored room is an area of the kill zone that friendly operatives must move through an access point to enter. You cannot use unexplored rooms that contain a drop zone 
or have an access point along the line of your drop zone. So this is situation. It's like Vantage. So I think mm. this is a three out of five. On some boards, it's a four out of five because it's very map dependent. If a board has four or more rooms that aren't on the drop zones, it's a four out of five. Otherwise, it's like a three out of five, sometimes even a two out of five. So for balance sake, I'd give it a three out of five. Like the issue yeah. is there are some teams that can score really easily, like oddly Phobos, because they all have free APL, even Custodies. But I don't... It's like secure unexplored rooms as a trap because people generally think it's an easy auto score, but it's only an easy auto score based on the map. Because once again, you don't have to declare which room, you just have to have more APL. Yeah. So I think it's it's effectively like a three out of five. Uh, like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, because some of those maps, it can be a situation where your opponent will be all on one side of the map, kind of focusing on what they can be achieving. And if there's a room that they can't interact with, you just go, right, put a couple of bodies in there, done. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And it's just, it, it just takes away any play to it, which is, I, I, I still prefer a game where there is more kind of counterplay to them, but at the same time, as a player, if I can score something and know I'm just going to score it just by doing something and then there'd be no kind of clap back, great. No, oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, so. because you just didn't have to show it. So I think it's three out of five is fine. Yeah. So next we are on to infiltration. So whereas like, what do you call it? You had, um, uh, security is holding ground Seek and Destroy is going about killing. Recon is more about board control and getting into yeah. your opponent's face. Infiltration is, I like to sneak. That is the entire thing. Like, I like to sneak at the cost of the game, almost. So put, that's... Put me in, cover me in purple paint. I'm a sneaky boy. Yeah, effectively. <laughs> so Infiltration has always been a tough tack op archetype because it, it detracts so much from the mission and yeah. it costs AP to do. Lots of AP. So they've changed up a bit. So you have stalk target. You reveal this target point at any target reveal step of any turning point. Once you do so, at the end of each target reveal step, you select one any operative be stalked for the turning point. At the end of a turning point, if friendly operatives with a conceal order is within blue, but not within engagement range of an enemy operative you have selected to stalk, you get a victory point. And if you do it again, you get another. So this is only good if you can charge from conceal, because all you do is charge block. You charge them and pass. And oh no, you can't even do that with charge blocking because you can't be within engagement range. Yeah, this is a one out of five tack op. So, yeah, uh, I was trying to figure out how to make this work with my orcs, and I was like, I was like, do I use the the uh, the goblin like the little grot? But no, you don't want him in fucking harm's way, do you? And literally, if you're if you're next to someone that close, why aren't you killing them? Well, yeah, because <laughs> the issue is, oh, I get a victory point. Oh, I've I've lost initiative, and I charge your grot, and you die. And it's like, yeah, it's like it's I should be so charging you instead. <laughs> It's such a bad tack op. I don't even know the intention of this. Like the only thing, red would probably be too big of range, too white maybe, but it's such a confusing tack op. Like I don't understand the point of this. This is like, oh, I want to represent being stalked by Rambo. And I'm like... can So if you were in Into the Dark, this wouldn't work through a wall, would it? So nope. it's it, I can't even see like a logic for it being designed for that purpose. It's like no, you're literally like no, <laughs> I just bizarre. can't see it. Yeah. I, just... I don't see the point. So if I, I like the only time I can see it making working is if you want to physically suicide operatives. 
Like Wormblade can slightly make this work because they can drop within like red of their drops and then dash up. But you are suiciding someone with one tack up point. And then you have to do it again to suicide another. So I, I, I think bomb? it's a uh, push. But then like the issue is It's gonna blow um, up anyway, isn't it? But I yeah. suppose it's then a roll. It's like I just can't I can't figure out how I'd make it work. <laughs> no. Yeah, me too. So one out of five. I, I, I if I could I'd give it a zero out of five. Uh, let's give it zero out of five because it's just yeah, it's zero. Yeah. Uh, so next you have Gather Surveillance, which is a new tack up. Reveal this in any target reveal step. Once you do, at the end of each target reveal step, you select one operative to gather surveillance. At the end of the turning point, um, the friendly operative you selected has a conceal order and is wholly within your opponent's territory and more than blue from enemy operatives. You score a victory point. If you achieve this first condition, you get another victory point. So I actually think because of the teams who can take this, yeah. this is actually a four out of five. Well, yeah, because like, we're well, going. It it just feels a bit more of a counterplay version of because it was the, oh, what was the the name for the the tack up that this is kind of replacing, um, the one where you literally allocate someone, they go there and then they disappear. Oh, um, oh, interloper. It feels like interloper, but there's consequences to it. Yes, and I kind of like it, but it is it's still risky. But I do well, like I, the I- fact that there is the risk. I think it's like stalk target, but what stalk target should have been. Yeah. Yeah. It means I, I literally looked at this and went, I could do that in my grot, yep. and it'd be great. So, because you could fly up onto a vantage point. Wormblade are really good at doing this, not yeah. turning point one, but turning point two, because they have the bodies. Yeah. Like, even Phobos can score this. It's just really solid. And because it's one of the better, arch- like, better tack ops, because yeah. it's so hard to mess up. Like, I, it, liked, I liked the idea of doing it like turning point three and just going. I've done it. In turning point four, you're not going to come back and deal with my grot. He's safe, and it's just scoring you the two points just because you've just been measured with it. Yeah, so the issue is you do have to nominate someone every turning point, but like yeah. if you activate them last, they're safe. So once exactly. again, four out of five. Hiding. Then we have Implant, who is unchanged. So reveal this when... It's a, it's a secret tack up, so it's a surprise one. Reveal this when you would strike an enemy operative in combat. Instead of inflicting damage on an enemy operative, that strike you can implant and... They do not lose wounds, but you get a victory point. And if you do it to two other different implanted operatives, you get another victory point. So this is actually really strong now, uh, just because people are more aggressive and charging you. So what I like to do with this is, like, if you're a horde infiltration team, even if you're a dedicated combat one, you can actually just go, okay, you charge me, you you hit me, uh, I can hit you back, I'm going to implant you, and then you kill me. So I get a victory point from that trade, and then I just have to do it two more times. Yeah, so I liked the idea of trying this with Slasher Boy, yeah. where you, you kind of tank some of the damage just to scratch if it's important, and then you've taken damage, uh, your Slasher Boy's taken damage, and then potentially hits them back with the Mortal Wounds. It's it, There's some cool, funny little plays you can do with it that then mean you're not just sitting there and just taking damage. Yep, and the thing is you can have one operative score this if they somehow fight three different operatives. So there's a lot of uh, <laughs> play around oh, this. Yeah. Yep. But it, it, I think it's a four out of five just because now people are playing, because everyone's charging you. I've yeah. seen a lot of recon teams like, um, what, uh, so infiltration teams like Wormblade just taking this because they like, either they change charging their melee specialists who have enough attacks or they just literally go like, okay, you're, you're charging me. You're like crew. Okay. Oh, you hit one of my guys. or like, I'll oh, implant. I die. I get victory point. And then yeah. you just keep charging them. So you're killing them with seek and they're just getting two victory points. So I just, fighting so i think it's easy four out of five uh 
it's oddly better than it was last edition. I would, I mean, last last year. I would say. I don't know how you feel about that. It was one that whenever I randomly drew it, if I'd put it into my stack, it was one I tried not to have if I could. Yeah. Just because it was yet another situation where I was playing a killy orc warband that then wasn't killing, or it'd be that one swing that could have made the difference to someone dying or not and it was like cool i'd score points if i do it but also not killing you would then counteract me actually achieving one of my other tack ops potentially or just getting rid of bodies because sometimes i still find that anything that keeps the opponent on the table is more harmful even if it's scoring me points it means that then i won't score potentially other points because if i'm dead the next turn I won't be getting primary. So no, it's totally. just like, it just always feels like if I can just do something that scores me whilst also removing them, better. But I, I like the way that it's kind of, it's got some shenanigans to it, which is always exciting, right? Like you don't want to just be like, right, I've just brute forced you to death. That's the game. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. And I think like it's so good now. It's just, it's crazy because everyone's in your face. Uh, but the next one is Seize Defenses. So this is a new one. It's actually one of my favorite tech ops. So you can reveal this in any target reveal step. At the end of the turning point, if you control an opponent's barricade, you get a victory point, and if you do it again, you get another. And you control a barricade by having more APL within black of it. So it seems nice. bad on paper, right? But, oh, I, I see a merit to it already. Right. <laughs> so it really punishes people taking a third barricade or forward deploying their barricades. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of gambling because you don't see where they set up. But even then, if you're playing like an aggressive kill team, even like Commandos or Wormblade, yeah. you can just move up and go like, cool, I, I'm on your barricade, I'm in cover, and you you now have to like, because people put barricades either on the point or as barricades as stagey points to move up the yeah. cover, and yeah. this punishes both, because you can yeah. now just like, even into the dark, you can go, well, you put a barricade on the objective so no one can place it. Now if I control that objective, I get two victory points. So, yeah. And I, I always like being able to charge through a barricade, because then... Yes attacking through from concealed with the orcs i'm like cool if i'm in the open i'm scuppered but if there's a barricade that i'm charging to hit you through i then get the benefits of some cover which at least gives me some defense and this oh, is 100%. just leaning into that completely and i like that yeah i, I i'd rate this as like a four out of five personally um it's it's so much fun it catches people off guard there's so many neat things you can do with it and because you can screw at turning point one if you can forward deploy, you can just mess someone up. It's great. Because oh. people don't plan their barricades as something they're going to hold all game. And like it's just funny when all of a sudden they go, I didn't want to stay all game behind this objective, uh, like barricade, yeah. but I kind of have to now. Just so. imagine that someone forward deploys or is on their line. You've got a forward deployed orc, like say Slasher Boy even. He does this, but he's also implanting them at the same time. So you're getting double value. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, it's there's so much like, combination in this. Lovely synergies there. I like that. So I, I I'd happily rate this as four out of five. So uh, next we have install devices. This is another new one. Reveal this as uh, so this replaces blow up or like sabotage. Sorry. Reveal Good. this when a friendly operative performs install device at the end of any target at any turning point. If your device token has been in the kill zone for the whole of that turning point, you score a victory point. And if it has for another turning point, you get another. So, install devices, one action point. You can perform this while you control an objective marker in your opponent's territory or on the center line. Place your device token on that objective. Remove that if an enemy operative controls that objective marker. You cannot perform this um, if your device token is in the kill zone, so you can't place multiple yeah. uh, devices. 
I'd say this is one out of five. I would. I was tempted to give it zero out of five, but then I was like, technically you can score this. So it's not as bad as stalk target, but it's so bad. Not only can't you not score it the turn you place it down, but the moment your opponent just gets more APL on the objective, it blows up. It is horrendously bad. Like... If it was something like if it blew up but then did damage to the people that took it off you, I'd enjoy that. I think the way you change is that you just have to be within red of your opponent's um, drop zone, I think. Yeah. Or even, yeah, within red of your opponent's drop zone because then they can just charge it. Like, that would make it a two out of five, I would say. This is so hard to score because a lot of maps actually don't have objectives on the center line. So not only do you have to move into the opponent's territory, you're either yeah. capturing or looting that objective, and then you have to try and hold it when you're generally sending one operative to do this. Yeah, because so you, can you get have... there and get there, but then it's the waiting a turn and them not having the count. Like it, this is again. It feels like in each of the um, archetypes, there's one um, tack ops that they've gone right. We've got a whole card. We're going to fill it with as much text as possible, and it's going to be the wasted card that no one needs to look at. Yeah, well, I think what happened with this stack up, it was basically, it was somewhat scorable. And then mm. during like testing or whatever, they were like, no, nah, this is too easy to score. We're maxing it all the time. Let's just make it like this. And it's gone like, oh, wow. what? How how hard were you being stopped by the original version of installed device? Like, it is bizarre because now it's yeah. just unscorable almost. It is scorable, but your only goal is to hope the board has a midline objective and you swarm it. You just swarm yep. it and go like, we're just going to, I don't care if you've got blast weapons, I'm going to put five guys on this point, yep. 10 APL, so I'm going to score install device. I think if it was just within red of the drop zone, like I think the reason they said objectives was to synergize with objective play because that was one of the big criticisms of infiltration. But yeah. they've gone way too far. Like, yeah, there's too much objective play. <laughs> like I would actually change this by two AP to place, but your yep. opponent has to spend an action point to remove it. And I think I th that would. I think that's fair because that's the, often the problem with these. You look at it and go, "I'm spending an AP to do something." That AP could be used to do anything else in the game, like removing one of your models by shooting yeah, it or stabbing it or something. Because the issue is, you're you're spending an action point to place this, and your opponent doesn't have to spend an action point to remove yeah, there's, it. There's no transaction to it at all. At least if it's two AP, then they have to spend an action point to do it. Like yeah. uh, at the moment, it's two out of five. It's so bad. I uh, know what. Uh, uh, no, what did I say? No, one out of five. Sorry, one. one out. Of five. <laughs> I was gonna say. Because well, the thing up is, in your the, the, somehow. <laughs> what would throw people off is go. I plant it and then I get a victory point, and like it, it defeats their. It crushes their soul when you go. I'm so sorry, but it says it has to be for the whole turning point. You didn't place it at the start of the turning point, so you can't score it this turn. And they just go. This is the worst tack up I've ever played. Yeah. So you, you almost want to do it at the end of a turning point last defensively with bodies set forward enough that they can't get to the people on it so you, you your body block stuff but then that's you're putting so much resource into just potentially getting two vp just one you objective could, you, you could just be doing something else like slapping them in the face yep. that, that's why i would only give it one out of five and yeah. then we have subversive control this is another new one reveal this in the third or fourth turning point so this is an end game or late game objective at the end of the turn, at the end of the third turning point, if friendly operatives control an objective mark in your opponent's territory and not on the center line, you score a victory point. And if you do it on 
on the same on the fourth turning point, you get another victory point. So my only yeah. issue with this is because you have to reveal at turning point three or four, you only have two scoring windows to score this. Yeah. It can be any objective on the center line or any opponent's territory. Uh, not on the center line, so any objective in your opponent's territory. But the issue is, it's such a gamble because you have to gamble that you're going to be yeah. pushing up into your opponent's drop zone. They have enough objectives close to your center line, so it's not too much of a push. And you have to make sure you score at turning point three and four. Otherwise, you're not getting any points. I think it's it's a win more against elite warbands, right? Like if they're already not able to spread out enough, they'll be yeah. one open, and you can just bloop someone on there. Because even uh, uh, recon uh, infiltration kill teams aren't the most killiest. So even yeah. if you're you're like you're gambling to be very aggressive. So the issue I have is, if it was any turning point, I'd give it a three out of five. But because yeah. you have to plan your game from the start, you only have two scoring windows for this compared to like end game objectives where you can more easily set up because you just have the last turning point to ensure it. And it can't be on the center line. So you have to like play aggressively, plan you have board control and like operative control. Yeah. I think it's only a two out of five. Like it's just... I look at it and go, for what it does, I'd just go gather surveillance instead. Yeah, if I was, exactly. If I was picking them. There's, there's a better option. And it it plays into the style of the, the infiltration kind of archetype, but there is still, out of the other five, other options that do the same thing can utilize mobility getting somewhere but without putting all your eggs in one basket like it's a win more one right like if you're doing yeah. great it doesn't matter but it's if you're being very if you're in charge of the tempo of the game you're going to be scoring that but oh, yeah. if you're not and your opponent's surprised you and got you completely caught off guard it falls apart and then your house of cards just collapse and that card is at the bottom yeah like my issue is i would say Infiltration is a really weird one where it has three good object tack ops and three bad tack ops. Like there's, yeah. it's 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 the weirdest one. So it got better tack ops, but then it also for some reason they gave it worse tack ops as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like if you had to randomly pick tack ops, this would be the worst archetype it, it would because suck. you don't. But because you don't, you can now just go. I'll just pick the two to three good ones. I think yeah. that's all I would do. Like. It's it's weird compared to the other archetypes, where even their bad tack ops are usable. These yeah. bad tack ops are because yeah, I would work subversive control like a two out of five is yeah. the best of the bad ones, but it's still not great. Yeah. Like, and it's not like they do different things. Like subversive control is a worse version of gather surveillance, and stalk target is a worse version of implant. So it's like. Why, why would I want to do these when there's a better thing that does a similar thing? It's almost a shame that those three other, that these three weaker ones weren't just completely different things that gave you different play styles, whilst instead it's very much this is what you get. You get to do these three or three shit versions of them, almost. Yeah, because what, what this is, is like, this is more like synergizing with getting on the objectives, which is fine. I think yeah. the way you fix subversive control is I would go. Uh, in turning point three, you control yeah. more objectives than your opponent, yeah. and you do it again. Because then that is actually subversive control because you are yeah. controlling the board state. That would yeah. make more sense. It would actually make this a good tack op because the issue is you actually have to physically control them. So you need four operatives on four different points. And that is actually quite tough for recon uh, for infiltration teams because... Even commandos, you would now yeah. need to go, I've got 10 guys, 
by turning point three, I need to put four on yeah, objectives. It's a big ask. And they need to be doing things, and being on objectives is the worst situation a lot of the times for the orcs. You don't yeah, want to just be that- sat around. You could just say control more than your opponent. So there's, but like, let's say you're in a stalemate position. You could go, yeah. I've got three on one, and then push for the next. Make it score from turning point three and four. Like the way, yes, the way to fix it is uh, control more objectives. Or if they wanted this to work, you just you don't have the third and fourth turning point stipulation. So yeah, I do like that as an angle though, just showing that it's the kind of the the embers of the game as it's finishing. Yes, but, that but the makes issue it challenging, is. Right? Yeah. Any tack up that has only one scoring window is really hard, and yeah. this effectively yeah. only has one scoring window twice. So, yes, and that's the challenge when looking through it. Is like each archetype needs to have one that potentially is harder to achieve. Like that, it's easier to achieve, but in a smaller window, as yes. long as it's consistent across the design kind of kind of approach to it. It's when you've got kind of the more very situational. You're like, well, I don't want to play this archetype now, and no, that totally. then changes what we will see as a result which is frustrating right because there's some really cool infiltration warbands but will we see less of them and more importantly if we do see them they'll probably be doing out of those three and then maybe a faction one or two right like for all i can't see myself not (laughs) yeah so it's like um most infiltration teams unless they're locked into infiltration will take something else like seek and destroy yeah so it's just so I've enjoyed uh, but, playing Infiltration previously, but I'm looking at it now and going, this is going to be hard work. Yeah, compared to the other tack ops. Yeah. But like, that's a good segue into like just re- the tack ops overview, right? So this is yeah. like, af- I- after we've rated them all, like before it was security, then like Seek and Destroy and Recon were equal, and then you had Infiltration at the bottom. Mm. Now it's Seek and Destroy, and then I would go probably recon and security are equal but i would give like a slight edge to recon and then i'd go infiltration and fourth but this time whereas before crit ops everything was far apart i would say everything is quite close together it's just seek and destroy has dominance over all the archetypes because yeah. before seek and destroy uh, security has been toned down which is good but now recon counters security but then seek and destroy counters security and now counters everyone else yeah. because they buffed seek and destroy so much which is crazy so like there is counterplay to stuff but because the seek and destroy stuff is so easy and does stuff you want to do like unless your dice completely fail it's really hard not to max so i i think that's a fair ranking of the tack ops yeah, in terms agreed. of tiers because it's like it does it the thing that keeps them so close is now you can select tac ops because the bad ones you just ignore and thankfully all tac ops all archetypes now are like much better to score on average the issue is it's like as i said the reason infiltration is so low is because they're the only archetype with three good tac ops and three bad tac ops whereas every other archetype is like four to five good tac ops yes and then like the thing is I know people will argue it's like, well, generally I'm taking a faction tack op and three tack ops. Uh, so a faction tack op and two other tack ops. Yeah. But the issue is some faction tack ops suck. And ideally you want <laughs> yeah. you want four good tack ops because you can change it up. Because if you only have three good tack ops to select, your opponent goes, Oh, you're infiltration. Um, oh, you're not taking any faction tack ops. I now know what to do to counter your free picks, like that kind of thing. You know, and even the into the dark stuff doesn't change it 
too much. Like, yeah. I guess install device is kind of like slightly better on Into the Dark, but not really. But even then, Into the Dark doesn't change it too much. I mean, it's weird. Like, we can see in the design principles that like, once again, they've removed two, uh, two AP mission actions across yeah. the board, which is good. But they've also gutted a lot of weird tack ops for no reason. Yeah. It, it just feels like, oh, X player was doing too well with this tack ops, so and now we're just going to ruin it for everyone. It's like, not even just me, like other players were using these tack ops to a great extent. It feels like it almost, like, I know it wasn't their intent, but it comes across like, oh, I lost to this, so I'm not going to have this happen again, kind of thing. Yeah. It's throwing the toys out of the pram rather than looking at what could be done to balance them out a little bit, maybe. Yeah, because as I said, like install device and stalk target just confuse me. Like even reading those cards, you have to go with like, was someone just getting demolished by someone using stalk target and install device? It's really strange. And then it's like the weird switch to make seek and destroy the best unintentionally is a little bit fishy. Because like it's this when you go like, oh, we've got eliminate guards, but then the same people also did install device, and it's like. Were they playing the same game? So it's like not going like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. It's just very bizarre when the yeah. power of Tac Ops is so swingy. But I think overall Crit Ops is a good change. It's just instead, some Tac Ops are way too good. Like I think the biggest defenders for me are Eliminate Guard and Recover Item. I don't know what ones feel too good for you. Yeah, so Eliminate Guard to me was the one that I looked at and went, if I'm playing Seek and Destroy, if I'm not taking that, I'm making some very bad decisions with my tack ops because why wouldn't you? Like, especially if you've got something that can then, if you if you line it up and they're like, well, this guy is going to be on this objective. If I haven't got something set up to deal with it, it doesn't matter because I'm then getting them off an objective. So there at least is a reason for me to be taking it, even if it's not going to plan. While some of the other ones are just like, cool, I might as well just forget I've got this card. So it's just like having one like that in your in your back pocket is just helpful especially if you're playing an older kill team that's got less shenanigans to it it feels like you've at least got something to keep you kind of up with the new boys yeah 100 percent. i think like the weirdest thing is like the the coolest thing i like about these tau cop updates is like uh, pretty much all the tau cops i think all of them actually have really cool ideas like you can see the theme they were going for yeah. and they all like the theme mostly links up it's just i would love i know most people would probably hate it but i wouldn't mind erratas to these like just minor tweaks to tone stuff down or make it more in line yeah. and, and maybe the I faction ones as well because there's a few yeah. of them like the orc blow it up is a two ap a a two ap action you can't do there's, it with the grot right no and then there's the, the hero tech guys have got a two ap one as well making it so they're all one AP across the board would just make it seem a bit more consistent. Whilst... Unless they're elites. I think elites should yeah. pay two action points. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't like the blanket removal of two AP mission actions. Yeah. I think there was too many in the first pack. Yeah. But I hope, like, if they do another one, they bring, like, one or two back, because I think yeah. that's fair. on the flip, you've got people like the Legionaries that have a one AP action they do. So to them, it's not a punishment. So it, yeah, exactly. It, it shows where it works as a design, so... But I think but, yeah. overall it's a good change. It's just yeah. the issue is unin unforeseen consequences. Like I think the biggest defenders are seek and destroy teams, but more so 
teams that can mix archetypes. So it's basically just the Lucidity and Star Striders and Fast Talker Kinband. You basically yeah. go, I'm taking Recover Item and slotting it into everything else. Yeah. Um, but that's their, their kind of almost a trick, isn't it? Their gimmicks, well, their kill weird. team. It's weird because they... <laughs> It's it's they FAQ'd it to allow it for like the crew can now select any archetype, which is yeah, which is silly. But it's like I if uh, for my only big change would be I would get uh, to, for the health of the game I would errata recover item so you can't place the token within blue of the center yeah. line and eliminate guards the opponent picks because that is the only way to balance those tack ops without. Without removing their feeling, because it's kind of weird for your opponent to go, "You're the guard." It should be. It should be going. No, hmm. he, or it'd be someone not in their deployment zone at least. So they pick, yeah. but it can't be in their deployment zone. So it has to be someone in the action, because otherwise yeah, people so just like, go, "I'm my back corner." <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you pick someone uh, not within blue of their drop zone or red of yeah. their drop zone. Yeah, yeah. Well, Something actually, just uh, push not it within. Too white because I think that covers most. No, blue should be fine. Yeah, yeah. Not within blue of their drop zone because they have to go forward. So the issue is, um, yeah. So if you said they have to pick an operative that isn't within blue of their drop zone, but also on an objective, then that's fine because I think the weird dichotomy you have with that is going like, technically, the person who should be guarding it should be nominated by the person actually controlling it. It's like I'm standing in the open, and then my someone just runs up to me, he's like, "You're the guard now." Here's my pass. Yeah. I'm going onto the plane. Like it's just really weird. Yeah. But on the flip side to it, by being on an objective, they are denoting that they are guarding something. So I kind of I can see why they chose yeah. the way they did. So it makes it makes logical sense. But mechanically, it, you look at it and go, "This is uninteractive," and you're forcing there to be a punishment for some decision that they've made without necessarily knowing it was a decision that they were making. Which 100%. can feel bad, right? And that's a thing I try to avoid when I'm playing games. I prefer it if a game doesn't cause those situations where a player's going, oh, you've given me a feel bads just by me doing what I need to do to play the game. And that feels, uh, that's not enjoyable sometimes. Even in a tournament, it's like making someone have to make those critical decisions. You're just like, that's not nice sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, because the, the biggest problem is while it forces interesting decisions, it's interesting yeah. decisions that don't benefit anyone apart from you. Because yeah. the issue is your opponent has to go, oh, like even with recover item, like your only way to kind of stop it is to run up turning point one out of position. Whereas yeah. the issue is they can also just first activation dash, use their dog to pick it up and move away and guarantee two victory points and you have nothing. So it's like... I hate that. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> and it's obviously unintended, but no. it's like when you open the game up, that's... Because even if you can give someone free APL, you could move dash... Well, you could recon dash up, dash, and then move and pick it up. So it's like, and then even if they kill you, you can now place it effectively on the other side of your base in your own territory. So yeah. you can just, even if you suicide someone up, you can just carry over. Um, yeah. Obviously, the big item in the room is people can't actually buy this still because it's... <laughs> that's yeah. dark. Uh, I have my copy. I think you have a copy, right? I have a copy, which is great. If you've got a friend with a copy, but until then, it's it's a little restrictive, which is frustrating. Um, I got all my friends' copies, so we we both went to the Warhammer World event where it was originally going to be these. I was quite excited. It's a shame their next event is using them, but it's into the dark. No, so the next event is a narrative event in March. It's narrative. Yeah, Um, there's a Friday and then a match play on the Saturday. 
Uh, so then the one after that, you've got Warhammer Fest, which should be using them. So the biggest issue if they got Warhammer Fest, we're not using these hack ops. Um, yeah. But the, that's run by the US event team. So I don't know how the US event team have been handling the shortage. So yeah, that'd be an cause... interesting one to see. Because like, there's also an app you can use online, which just has all the tack ops. So if you can't yeah. find the cards, you can use. There's a I way. It's, yeah. Like it's worth mentioning now, just because instead of like at the beginning, like. But my advice is, um, if you haven't got the cards, bring pen and paper to write it down. And also a good thing when it comes to like secret tack ops, which generally don't exist anymore unless they're faction. Message a friend at the event or tell a judge at the start of each round. Yeah, like just just go like. Instead of calling over the judge, over go to the at the start of the tournament. Go up to the judge and look. Look, I, I'm I might play this tack op, which help says me nominate. Is it okay if I just tell you at the start of each round who I'm nominating, just in case my opponent disagrees and they go yeah. Uh, like what we yeah. me and my friends do if we're going together to an event, we'll message each other in the group chat so we have the timestamp and proof that it's been sent. Yeah, but seems reasonable. Because if you're using the app, just use pen and paper because the issue, if, you, if you're using the app, I've had it before where people refresh accidentally. Oh, They go, oh yeah, I totally heard all of these. And it's like, okay, come on. Yeah. Uh, I tend but, to have a piece of paper for that sort of situation just to, to cover my back as well. Yeah, because the, the issue is with the app is like if you refresh, obviously. And then it's just, it looks really weird if you have to reveal attack up and you go like, uh, oh yeah, I'm revealing I was, this. I was obviously going to use that guy, right? And it's just—it always feels a bit like. But would I? And it's like. But I, I have I'm that a with interloper a lot. Like, but people are like it's obviously you're going to be in the grot. <laughs> I know. Well, so the the grot is the only thing for interloper. But it's like the thing is, I'm generally very anti online rules uh, at events because because uh, yeah. you know, like uh, it's the same as like Logan. Uh, I'm like you need the written rules because firstly, I have seen so many errors on best co- uh, uh, battle scribe and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I would rather just have the written rules so we can actually check. I did play an opponent who at Warhammer World bought, <laughs> bought Wahapedia and went to the head game designer as a judge. Is like, oh, I've got um, this rules question about my kill team. And he was like, um, those aren't the rules. Have you actually got the written rules? And he's like, yeah. uh, no, I don't. And then he's like, I can't give a ruling then because you don't actually yeah. have the rules. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, it's okay. I'm actually playing the skill team as well. Uh, so I had the rule, but it's like, yeah. it's you shouldn't bring mm. digital like stuff to a non G to a GW event and go, Hey, can, uh, does this work when you don't have a copy of the physical rules? But that's I'm just qu- more. I'm quite a fan of that myself personally, like being at an event and it's a tabletop physical game. And you've got no need to be looking at screens is nice yes. because then you're spending the time interacting with your opponent, not yeah. interacting with your phone, then talking to your opponent. Because then there's the temptation you're like, oh, I'll quickly check my messages whilst I'm here, and it's just like that's awful etiquette in my opinion. Oh yeah, it's like it's it's like not just because it's like oh I'm anti like I'm pro GW stuff like that. it's more just like etiquette and the issue is it looks dodgy from just a gameplay standpoint as well, yeah. and it brings in lots of suspicion. So yeah. like. If you have to use the app, just bring pen and paper just to yeah. cover yourself. Because, like, it just imagine if you were in that position where your opponent refreshes and go, "Oh, oh, my tack ups have just refreshed." Uh, I meant these. What these did these. I take? Yeah, and th- it gives opportunity for it to be questionable. And also, it's nice to be able to, at the end of a tournament, have a piece of paper and it says, "I did these. This is what I achieved against this war, this faction." 
and what worked and what didn't work, you can then look at it and kind of after the event, have some time to look at it and go, well, actually, that's what I like about when you're playing 40K with the um, the ITC Battles app that's uh, Goonhammer doing. Oh. You literally, I can look at all my games, see which turns I scored stuff, and it's really handy. You can look at it and go, well, actually, looking at this, maybe next time I'll take this secondary instead. And it'll be the same with Tac Ops. I can look at it and go, against this kill team, I'm now never going to take, like, hold them back for example for yeah, whatever yeah, exactly. reason i'd be like i don't i don't use that against them and i've got a mental note for that because then you've got your learning and it's a way of having that learning because there's nothing worse like i i've got to admit when i play kill team it tends to be probably most of it is playing at tournaments so there is a bit of a gap sometimes between me playing again having almost some sort of thing to look back and go well actually here's my this is what i should be taking gives me such a good kind of stepping stone to get back into it because it's not exactly a a complicated game to to jump back into once you know the basics yeah once you've got the basics there as a foundation so it's nice to be able to go right if i'm playing this kill team i know i need to be taking these these tack ops having it to hand ready and having the cards fished out ready it's just it's helpful but having that kind of guidance of going this definitely doesn't work against this kill team avoids me having the feel bads which is helpful yeah so there there is a scoring app for kill team and it's good because i know the guy who does it my only issue is Please don't rely on it because yeah. every time I play someone, ninety yeah. percent of the time, it, they have accidentally closed the tab or refreshed it and wiped everything. The first so time I, I know, used it, it refreshed, and I was just like, "I'm, yeah. I'm done now." Because I, I, I know people are going to tell me, "Oh, you can just use this, John." And I agree, it's a good app. But the issue is, the moment it refreshes, it wipes everything. And the issue is, people accidentally re- refresh it ninety percent of the time. So easy to do. <laughs> Because it's not, it's not like they're doing yeah. it maliciously. It just accidentally happens. So there is that version. And this is just a disclaimer because in people, instead of people just going immediately, oh, but John, you could use this app instead. And that's why I kind of stay away from scoring apps. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it because we, we, we spiel quite heavily. Uh, I, I feel like I'm really Rob now. I just need a plaid shirt, you know, then uh, maybe one day <laughs> Rob will love me. Um, no, not until you I'll play just... a proper game. <laughs> in, in his opinion, of course. Yeah, it's proper I've game tried. that is less popular. Anyway, anyway, outside of that, but um, <laughs> uh, he knows I'm right though. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Slightly longer, about an hour and a half, but it's it's more in depth, so we kind of had to go that long. Uh, so it's not going to be. A t- I've seen like two and a half hour podcasts. Not even like Rob. Like Rob will break it up, right? Some people do like two to three hours, and I'm like, wow, that is crazy. I don't but, have the attention uh, spam for that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much it for today. Once again, thank you for being on, John. I hope you, let me guys okay. know your feedback because hopefully me and John can do something like this every two weeks so I we can get more regular podcasts because yeah. I've like, um, well, everyone else is getting busy. So it's like nice to have someone who like, because we're kind of, we have similar-ish schedules for some reason. So that yeah. kind of aligns. I, sh- I should be at work right now, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> it's okay. I shouldn't be at work. So that's, I mean, today, not like I'm like banned or anything. Uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this look at the crit ops. Obviously, I would do a video later on, like probably in a month or two. But this is more of like a look at, like, this is stepping stones because what I've, the stat show is going to be published on the day of recording, which is Friday today. And that will link into, because actually, I've been looking at this because crit ops has actually increased net scoring and encouraged more draws. So this is basically part of my research for that. Uh, and also it helps 
more people get used to the tack ops now we've had time to practice but i hope you enjoyed it thank you so much for being on john and we'll be back again soon remember we've got patreon all of that kind of stuff and you can check out uh john on uh what's your website again johnscriffins.com it, it is indeed and then he also does stuff for rob on the honest wargamer so if if you if you are on the honest wargamer tell him kill team is so good rob why don't you play it and john is great but say uh, every time you spell john alternate between j-o-n and j-o-h-n because it will confuse him right just keep doing that and it will, it will eventually get to him because he will have no idea which john people are talking uh, about this is my no, yeah. way to slowly uh, like insidious get into it but yeah uh, until next time uh keep rolling crits and uh keep listening to crits i guess so adios